0: Hey everyone, this is Socratic Hobbits, a podcast where Kyle Morse and me, Daniel Hayward, try to ask big questions and then answer them. Sometimes we stay on topic. Thanks for listening. So last time we recorded, you uh, were coming out of the closet and you're still out of the closet, which is good good for you. Uh, I'm I'm I've moved in. I don't know if you can tell.
1: At least one of us needs to be in. I know.
0: I know. So basically wasn't moving forward. And she's like, well, why don't you just put your desktop in the closet? And I'm like, well, you know, storage and whatnot. And she's like, I think we can make that work. And so uh, Uh I found out later she was kind of joking. But, uh, then I designed it and we'll have quite a bit more storage than we already did. And if there are kids over, um, they could play in here. I could just close the, close the door basically.
1: Right. Have you guys been having kids over?
0: You know, I like, I like stories, right? I've been writing for a long time and I thought it would be interesting to try some serialized kind of fiction. And so I was like, I start another podcast like would that be fun and interesting
1: kind of long lines of what Kyle's doing
0: uh-uh. no this would be like uh, so so Kyle is kind of doing a hook right that's that's his uh-huh. that's his thing mine would be a basically a story broken up into 10 episodes or something like that like a, a close to a, a novel length would be the idea anyway got it so I it was would, just
1: thinking about both telling stories. He he's
0: he isn't really telling story. stories though. Okay. He's he's giving you uh, and and sometimes people find uh compelling questions really difficult to to come up with, especially when you're um doing RPGs, um as it as a dungeon master or whatever. Okay. And and so, I think that was what he was. That's that's who he's trying to reach with his podcast. That's the impression I've gotten. Okay. So, mine would be much more along the lines of. Uh, I mean, it's essentially would be an ebook, but, or an audio book, excuse me.
1: Okay. And you've already got a number of different, at least one book that you could spin that way, right?
0: Yeah, no, I I could, um, the, I've been back and forth on that one for such a long time. I think I might, um, I think at some point I'm still going to get it, uh, out, but I might need to take a break from it. Cause it's the same story that I've been working on for so long. It's like, I don't know if, if I haven't gotten it at this point, maybe it's, maybe there's something wrong enough with it that I need to just let it go.
1: How do you assess what is wrong with a story and, and whether it's fixable?
0: Um, well, yeah, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a million dollar question because there's so many stories that we consume, right. And some that work and some that don't work. Um, Mm -hmm. from an editing perspective or like from a, from my perspective, the reason that I said, maybe it's not working is because I haven't finished it. And I've been thinking about this story since high school. And so it's possible the problem is with me and the way that I approach writing. It's possible that the problem is with how I went about writing this particular story. I could start from scratch, like literally from scratch. And that might prove useful in that I would already have a pretty good idea about where I want to go. And so it would be easier for me to kind of set things up in a way that feels a little more natural. Um, It's like you've written a draft. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're just rewriting. But instead of it being a 10-page paper, it's a 400-page paper. Right, So it's the emotional burden of getting over that is a little, little much. Um, It
1: feels like the sunk cost fallacy in action.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I don't know. So basically how I started this writing that particular story. So I'll just say the title is a Delphos, which I like the title. I think if I do end up writing the story, that would be the one that's probably the title I'll use. I basically just wrote as if I was watching it happen cinematically. Uh huh. But with no kind of, I had a, I had an image of what it was going to look like at the end, and then where I was at the beginning, and it was like, oh, just connect the dots, right? And, um, it's, it was kind of like, uh, having the end of the Lord of the Rings, in your mind,
1: uh-huh. and
0: then starting out,
1: <laughs> in the Shire.
0: Well, there's a whole lot of different ways to get there, and. Right. There were a couple of ways that I didn't realize I was doing this, but I bound myself in the like narrative, and uh-huh. it wasn't just like oh I found a great sword or whatever. Yeah, and
1: that never <laughs> happens.
0: <laughs> but you just you know you gotta have a reason for why you have it, right, right Kyle? Yeah, yeah, of Go by a troll cave. Yeah, it's something I don't know. Anyway, so and then and then I end up and I'm like I'm. St- Duck in what's the town right next to to Brie. Brie. I'm just stuck there. And it's like there's no real reason why the characters would leave. And uh there's no real reasons why. I mean there was a there's a pretty big plot hole kind of from the beginning, which I've kind of worked out, but it just when it feels forced or like why would I care about that is kind of the one of the one of the questions that Would you say there's a lack of tension? It feels the tension that I have in there feels manufactured. It feels like it's not coming from the characters. And so Okay. I think one thing I I actually talked about on the podcast a while back was this it's called the Leviathan method of Uh writing. And it's where you kind of try to work those out before you actually start writing. Right. And so I think if I were to go back and rewrite Adelphos, I would I would go through that entire method and think through the thing and do the work ahead of time in that way Um, Uh and it's quite quite enjoyable to just sit down and kind of know what you're going to write for the day and at least have a good idea of it yeah or or at least know the points i'm not exactly sure how i'm gonna drive to you know mount hood or what i'll do once i get there but i do know that i need to go there kind
1: of thing i know if i'm going to mount hood i'm probably going skiing
0: but um but will you stop for coffee what happens if you get a flat tire what if you see um I don't
1: know. Whatever. Probably not going to stop for coffee. Okay. Well, Kyle, here,
0: I'm trying to throw you, you know...
1: Curve, realistic curveballs.
0: Not curveballs, even. I'm just trying to get you to play a game with me, but you don't want to. All right. Well, anyway, that's, that's... Why are we talking about this?
1: I was trying to think, though. Oh, I know what the question I had was. It was, what authors would you say you're stealing from? Or, or to put it more nicely...
0: I just thought I just thought that was there was more to that question, uh. I mean Brandon Sanderson, Douglas Adams, sense of humor for sure. Uh, I think oh, who wrote the Raíura Chronicles? Um, I can see his face. Can't think of his name. Think of it later. Who've I been listening to recently? There's uh, there's a, yeah, there's a couple of, like podcasts where they they think about some of these things and he's got, it's in a fantasy world. And so some of the images or ideas and the way that these characters interact, I probably steal some from that as well. I mean, probably Lord of the Rings, some of those images as well. Aragon. I really enjoyed that growing up. Harry Potter. I really enjoyed that. Um,
1: Would it be kind of an epic quest or. Yeah. I mean, I can give you the like kind of pitch for it
0: is basically is, is three brothers who find themselves kind of being in the middle of a tug of war between two kind of competing I guess factions or or whatever you want to say and they don't really understand why and so in, in they're in some ways they're uh, like it's an epic quest and that it takes them very far away from home um, and then brings them back around again right
1: why is it important to the story that they're brothers
0: their desire to be back together doesn't make as much sense if they're just friends although okay. You, Although, you know, you could say, well, what about Frodo and um, Samwise? But I guess they're cousins, right? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is that their family's been...
1: Are they cu- No, I don't think they're cousins. Sam is Frodo's gardener. Or the son of Frodo's gardener. Oh, yeah. Pippin and Mary are cousins. Of course they are.
0: Maybe I just wanted to say that because uh, my wife and I were watching a TV show and Sam wasn't there. But he was a
1: bad guy. It was interesting. Oh. That
0: the, the was, actor
1: yeah sean Astin. Mm-hmm. so i guess my brother actually got to meet him oh really he came and was he was a speaker at something at the university of idaho when my brother was there cool who are the like superiors that the brothers are have to decide whether to honor
0: you're asking a lot of questions kyle
1: that's what we do on the show
0: yeah, I understand that, but
1: I I do I do have I do have a direction I'm going with this question.
0: Uh who are the superiors? Um I mean, so there would be there would be kind of well, I guess mostly it would be the, the authority figures,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, so it'd be the the those who sit on the council would be the the people who he that that mainly the the eldest brother is answering to. Okay. Um it's a council of I mean, I could just rattle off a bunch of like lore that doesn't have any doesn't have any purchase because it's a story that I only have on I only have three quarters of written down and nobody else has read except my sister and my wife have both read the first chapter
1: well but that's fine it's kind of fun to see where you go creating stuff
0: Sure, sure
1: okay so if you're okay with doing that
0: it feels weird like I shouldn't but you know what it's fine Let's 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 chase this down. If it's terrible, we'll we'll, publish it. we'll go. Would you say if it's terrible, we'll publish it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Next question about Adelphos. You do you want any of the characters' names?
1: Well, well, you mentioned that there were you mentioned that there were different factions. So you've got the council,
0: and then you have. Uh, I've, I've gone through a couple of iterations of the bad guy's name. What is it now? Uh, you have the Almidians, who are uh, a fanatic faction. A cult, basically. Well, I maybe mean, not a cult. But um, who, for reasons that are, are not immediately obvious in the story, uh, desire to basically... Kidnap the brothers. Like, that's that's kind of how the story starts, is them trying to be kidnapped.
1: They want to be kidnapped.
0: The kid... No, no. They're running away. So, I guess it's not... I mean, so, the factions that are competing are not necessarily trying to win the brothers over. They are trying to take possession of them. Oh. But one of them is doing it in a way that is winsome, and the other is just physically trying to take them.
1: Okay. Where are the brother's parents in the story? Uh, Dead. Of course. They're just like, hey, Timmy, we'll see you later. Have a good
0: day. Something like that.
1: At what point did the brother's parents, like how old were the brothers when their parents?
0: Yeah. So the story starts when the eldest brother's 18 um, Mm -hmm. and they have basically just buried their father. Okay. Buried? Buried? Anyway. Buried sounds like something a
1: squirrel would do. 'Cause it sounds like scurried.
0: Maybe, maybe. Anyway, yep, so I mean not like not so just it's fresh. fresh. It's pretty fresh. Um and uh there's yeah, okay.
1: And so so they're burying their father, indicating that they had they cared for him and they're doing that out of respect for him.
0: I mean you don't see the you don't see that in the story necessarily, but yeah, hey, the story doesn't start out with them. Burying their father. That's okay. just happened recently. Okay. They had a good relationship with their dad. And their mom, for that matter.
1: But she died earlier. hmm So they're kind of in a quandary trying to sort out... Well, the oldest brother, he's 18, so I'm assuming... Well, can I assume that in your country, he's in the age of majority? He's in the what? Like, he's no longer a minor.
0: Yeah, I mean, they don't really... In this society... If you're old enough to fight, you're not a minor anymore. Okay. Um, so the uh, Almidians have. Oh, I now I remember the the big bad evil guy. His name is Kade, Kade, Kade. I don't know, however you say it, I guess I get to decide. Um, it's like these names that I've seen for years and years and years, but nobody else has, and so it's just I don't know. This is a little bit of a weird experience. Um, by the way, Kyle, I have literally never told this this much to anybody before. Oh, really? About my story? Yeah, nobody, nobody knows anything about it. That's why it feels weird to talk about.
1: Maybe this is the push you need to maybe to,
0: uh, maybe get, it is. On it. Yeah, I mean, that's I've what, got that's my hope. My it's six weeks until this publishes. I could finish it between now and then.
1: <laughs> well, you don't need to finish it. It doesn't even need to come out the same way, right?
0: Uh, yeah. So. What was the last question oh so he's he's in the age of majority yes yes you can assume that
1: but his younger brothers i mean are are they old enough to fight or uh, cons-
0: the middle middle uh youngest is not
1: is there conscription in the society
0: uh yeah I guess there would be they are not conscript- conscripted though they are of a, a higher ranking house however you want to say it they weren't they weren't part of the army from from the city that they were in Um, and part of why, another part of why they left was because they basically the king of that city state, because there was no, basically they were going to take the father's estate from them and they would not have no, they would have nowhere to live.
1: This was, the council was allowing that?
0: No, they didn't live in a council city. So there's two, there's, there's, that's part of the factions is there's, there's, uh, Kade's cities which uh-huh. were part of the council before he rebelled rebelled yeah sure and then there's the council cities and they're going to a council city and that's that's where the story starts
1: so they were in one of Kade's cities mm-hmm. yeah so they were in essence living under the authority of Kade.
0: but one of his vassals right not directly.
1: Right, right. So how do they know that they want to go to the council city? Or is this part of what you're working through?
0: Uh no. So at least that particular problem I have mostly dealt with. They have so the only other family that lives in uh Elmanark is the, the name of the city where they grow up, is their uncle. And he is part of the government there. And is kind of on the on the inside enough that he knows that basically the governor's gunning for them. That's how they know that he's going to try to take their estate instead of using only legal proceedings. Um, their uncle insists that like they're going to be they're going to be murdered, and so that's that's why they have to flee because the rest of their family, not their uncle, is is in a council city.
1: So the, their uncle's just by himself. He's a bachelor.
0: uh his yes
1: his brother or his sister and their spouse lived in the same city mm -hmm. so how did they end up over in their family end up over in this city
0: so this is stuff that that would never come into play in the story itself but it does play into i know i know but it would never be anywhere on the page that's what i'm saying Uh as far as as far as stories um, or as far as this particular story, or at least.
1: So we don't have to worry about spoilers.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so their father had a falling out with his siblings or parents. And um, and for that reason decided to, you know, flee. Not flee necessarily, but leave them.
1: Okay. But his brother came with him? Yep. And then was fairly successful. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Enough. I mean, enough that, uh, I, and I, I guess they also would not have been linked enough to know that they, they might not have been known as brothers. That might've been always secret because there was, there was all, there's been this conflict between the council cities and Kade for, uh, the last hundred years, basically.
1: So their dad managed to establish an estate between the time that he left the council city in the time that he entered the vast, the rebel.
0: Yeah. I mean, so he, he would be considered a uh, like pretty high class merchant. Okay. Both. But yeah, so he wasn't, uh he wasn't a nobility. He was on the, um he had a, a blacksmith, which something I, it's interesting to me. I don't know if you have this idea in your mind as far as, um, medieval economy where do you rank artisans
1: it depends on one in the middle ages um because i mean late middle ages you have more wealth and so there's more well i guess wealth is more spread out Hmm. and so there there are more opportunities for and, and by artisan when i think of artisan i think of a Michelangelo, a, a Da Vinci, um, Raphael—someone who's creating beautiful art.
0: What would you consider? So, what would you consider someone who's a blacksmith?
1: Um, someone who's an electrician today.
0: Really, like y- you're not familiar with the guild, like the trades guilds and things like that.
1: Not super familiar, no. Okay. I mean, weren't they kind of like unions?
0: no if you owned your own tools you were you were pretty wealthy it was very difficult like some of the like blacksmithing even i mean some things were more simple like candle making that would be one thing but uh-huh. if you were a highly skilled blacksmith uh you typically like didn't share knowledge with others about uh-huh. blacksmithing you were i mean it was a it was a very unique skill i would put it a more along the lines of a skilled programmer today huh. because you had you essentially, it took so long to, I mean, I think if you're trying to woodwork now and do things well, uh-huh. you are probably going to have to spend and you want to like, if you want to build a shop, you're probably going to have to spend like 10,000 ish dollars mm-hmm. to get higher quality stuff. If you want even, even a really low quality shop, which you're not going to be able to put out as high quality material, Right. you're still probably in the hole about five grand, which is not something most people can just do. And it's going to be a lot more than that if you need to rent space as well. And Yeah, anyway, so his father is a uh, essentially a, a very skilled blacksmith and specifically in making swords, which this is a country or city state that's been at war for a long time. And so being able to make these really high quality like almost at like a jeweler level, like as far as the hilts and um that kind of stuff. It's just yeah. So that was anyway, that was my mind related to that. And that's why he was able to establish himself as a a wealthy merchant, um, relatively quickly in, you know, twenty five years or whatever.
1: Okay. And and that makes sense. The place I was trying to go with all this just thinking about authority and um, superiors and inferiors mm-hmm. was at one point we had talked about going through the 10 commandments, particularly the, the commandments related to the relationship, the second tab- table of the law, the relationship between man and man and looking at how that describes um, what it means to be human, which actually for a Christmas podcast, looking at what it means to be human, is pretty apt when we think about the incarnation.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to remind all of our podcast listeners um, what the Ten Commandments are? At least the the last half.
1: Sure. Well, I can go from the uh, Heidelberg Catechism. Um,
0: why don't we go? Why don't we go from the Bible, Kyle?
1: Hmm? We could do that too.
0: I'm just kidding. You can go from the Heidelberg Catechism.
1: I mean, the Heidelberg Catechism has the Ten Commandments in it. Yeah, I know. Do you want me to just read it? Yep, go for it. So this is from, uh, for those unfamiliar with Heidelberg, this is from Lord's Day 34. Um, Heidelberg was uh, divided up into um, 52 Lord's Days to go throughout the year. But the question 92 is, what is God's law? And the answer is, God spoke all these words. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the iniquity of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me but showing love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The third commandment. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, or your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. The fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The sixth commandment. You shall not murder. The seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. The eighth commandment. You shall not steal. The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female servant, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And then the next question is question 93, how are these commandments divided into two tables? The first has four commandments teaching us how we should live in relation to God. The second has six commandments teaching us what we owe our neighbor. So that's both the Ten Commandments, and then they have the little synopsis at the end, which Mm -hmm. harkens back to um, uh, Jesus' quotation of Deuteronomy when he's asked what the greatest commandment is. And he says, it is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself.
0: So when he's saying that to tables, he's kind of summarize, like when you're saying the first, the greatest, and the, the second, like it, you're you're taking that division for the two tables of commandments? Right. Huh. I've never heard that before. I'm, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. When you said two tables of commandments, I think in our text, I was thinking the first five and the second five, but it makes well, sense that and, they would...
1: And people do take it that way. So, so the, the Heidelberg and the West, so the Reformed tradition has typically been um, four and six, Mm-hmm. Um, other traditions have had other divisions some have gone three and seven others have gone five and five okay but in general they do kind of there is a second half that's more to do with um, as it says here uh, what we owe our neighbor in the first half is our relationship relation to God mm-hmm. um, one of the so here are the, some of the arguments I've heard recently for the five and five and and one is, uh, just five is a martial number in Hebrew, and so it's significant. What to does the break word
0: "martial" mean in that context?
1: Um, warlike.
0: So why would, why would having the commandments divided into martial numbers mean anything?
1: I could see it being something along the lines of God is setting apart His people to be set apart in the land and. Um. This is they are preparing to go to war in Canaan because hmm. okay. they, they weren't supposed to wander in the desert for forty years, right? Um, it was okay. because they did not trust God that they wandered in the desert for forty years, as it says in Hebrews,
0: right? So, um, so that's the for the argument for five and five or an that's, argument
1: that's that's like one of the least arguments. Oh. Um. Okay. The I think more relevant arguments when you look at the first five it constantly hearkens to the lord your god the lord your god Mm -hmm. um the 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 second set of five don't have that the first set of five are very full there are a lot there's a lot of verbiage in the first five Mm -hmm. the next five are far more sparse
0: it's like a single line basically
1: And then,
0: well, I mean, not you shall not covet.
1: Right. With the exception of you shall not covet. Okay. All right. But, but I think there's something to, there's something interesting about you shall not covet, um, which kind of flies in the face of Hitchens. uh, Problem of it being a thought crime. Um, And, and that is that the 10 commandments aren't simply prescriptive. They're also wisdom literature. Hmm. And so you have, um, the and, and this kind of comes flows into the breakdown as well into five and five. The first four have to do with our relationship to God, and that's summarized in our in a way that we can relate. One of the ways that we can relate to God is in how we one of the one of the ways we God has given us to think about him is as our father in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so he gave us earthly fathers so that ideally we would look at that relationship and it would be a positive relationship if our fathers um, followed the commandments themselves. And that would make it easier for us to have a relationship with God by having that good relationship here on Earth, that good relationship with our parents on Earth would flow into a good relationship with our father in heaven.
0: Yeah, because God has given us an image in our earthly relationships to right, I was thinking, uh, this is a little bit of an aside. So I was at a yeah. I was my, my sister in law got married this weekend. And one of the things that the pastor said, and I'm going, I'm going to, I'll just, I'll just show my hand, uh, but I'm curious if you disagree with the statement before I give my reasoning. If you would, okay. He said, "Marriage is not for your happiness; it's for your holiness." Yeah. So, what is? I mean, I, I'm happy to answer the questions that I'm, I'm going to ask you. If you yeah. want me to just not rant, rant is the wrong word, but. What is the gospel?
1: That we are sinners, and while we were sinners, God sent his son, born of a woman, to suffer and die in our place, and then raised him from the dead so that we might, all who believe in him, can have the hope of that resurrection.
0: Okay, and what is that resurrection, too?
1: Eternal blessedness.
0: With God, like relationship with God, joy with God, being in the same happiness that we had, that Jesus had with the father and the spirit before the foundation of the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Joy,
0: joy. I said happiness, but joy and happiness, right? Or just I joy. Think... I'm I, like, yeah. So, so then, okay, so we can say joy, but your marriage with your wife is supposed to be like Christ and the church, Christ and the church is Jesus bringing the church into the Trinity? Like that's 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 the gospel. Is that we would join him in the like not in the Trinity, not to be <laughs> you know, okay. So I want to be really careful there. But to but to enjoy that relationship. My face. What's that?
1: You can see my face. I can see your and face. When you said that.
0: But it's not to yeah. I I haven't. <laughs> I haven't said it that way. And that's not what I mean is to be, we're not going to be God, but we are going to be with God. Right. And we're going to judge angels and we're going to like be brought to a place that we in no way deserve. Right. Even just Mm -hmm. to be with Jesus, we don't deserve and to be with God. Like we are like, like you said, we are sinners, right? We deserve nothing other than the condemnation. Uh, Like, Mm -hmm. because we, not only did we not do the right things, we actively pursued the wrong things.
1: We are un- we are unholy on both counts.
0: On both counts, right? And so, but if marriage is supposed to be like Jesus and the church, I am looking mm-hmm. forward to joy being part of the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with your wife should, like you should cherish her and love her. And I know that there are hard things and, and difficult times, but they're like, we glorify God most by enjoying him Mm -hmm. forever. Like that's the, I don't know. I know he he didn't make it up, but John Piper said it. And it's like, it's his whole thing is that we would enjoy God by like glorifying him and that we would glorify God by enjoying him. Mm -hmm. And so when you say marriage isn't about being happy, it sounds terrible.
1: Well, I think... And, and maybe this is where I, hmm, I I totally see what you're saying there. The, and I, the I can get off time, my high
0: horse and not be whatever I was being.
1: At the same time, I think it's, and I don't know, I don't know this pastor. I don't know your sister-in-law or her husband. So I, I but I do know that many times pastors will take what has come out of the premarital counseling and bring that into the homily at the wedding. And mm. there is there is a certain sort of trite happiness that gets sold around romantic relationships mm. in our time that I, I I could see a pastor legitimately pushing back against by mm. saying the words... Marriage is not for your happiness, it's for your holiness, for your sanctification, which leads to your true happiness Mm -hmm. in the enjoyment of God. Yeah, well, and you could. And maybe he didn't make that clear enough or didn't actually mean that. But when I hear someone in a pastoral role at a wedding, I hear that they said that. That's where my mind goes.
0: That's very generous of you,
1: and but and he definitely could, he definitely could, anything about the background.
0: Sure, sure, and he definitely could have meant that, like he or or it could just have been he's more responding to our times than specifically my sister in law or her new husband, uh-uh. um, because if when you say happiness, you don't mean ultimate joy or it's like mean, when you hear
1: love, no nowadays.
0: Sure, sure, like you could. You could definitely say that, and be, you know, depending on what you mean when you say it, be very, very accurate. Like, and very
1: helpful. And very helpful when, very when, helpful. when you're if, in a time when, when marriage is not happy. Mm-hmm. Remember, being able to remember those words, marriage is not about my happiness; it's about my holiness. Could be encouraging.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the difference between nice and kind. They sound kind of the same. But happiness and joy and nice and kind are very different. Nice is a, totally an outward thing. You can be nice for a little bit to anybody.
1: There's another side to nice that I uh, learned recently, which is at its root, it means stupid.
0: <laughs> I I don't go that far. I think that you can, I, I mean, if you want to avoid the word nice, you can definitely like people sometimes think of me as nice and i'm actually generally i'm just very polite especially mm-hmm. in company where i'm not familiar i just i i just know how to be polite generally and i don't rock the boat unless i well certain circumstances uh can provoke <laughs> demand. me demand <laughs> demand uh yeah maybe um but yeah it's just like i i'm typically pretty polite but people mistake that for mistake that for different things at different times and it always like when somebody's like oh daniel you're just you're just a, such a nice guy all the time and i'm like man you don't you don't know me <laughs> like I, i'm a very uh yeah it's just it's just interesting to me i guess i'll just leave uh-huh. there you know me though kyle you know I the read, I see you know you know the your
1: me. can of beer
0: wait that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> ginger ginger just peach ginger beer no, well, ginger beer wouldn't be bad. That's actually peach sounds...
1: beer. Hmm. no. I, I
0: have mean. you ever had ginger beer? Is a is a is not an alcoholic drink.
1: I guess I've only had it in Moscow Mule.
0: Yeah, you can just buy ginger beer from like Winco, and you don't have to have a card. Anyway, uh, this is I can't even good and gather. I guess is the anyway it's... back to the. It's not beer, Kyle.
1: It's not beer. Just so everyone's out there is listening. <laughs>
0: The well, you you, have made more jokes about me drinking alcohol on this podcast than you just made a lot of them. I don't know why. I, I'm always drinking something, but it's usually not alcohol. I think that's why,
1: because you're always drinking something.
0: Do you want to talk about the Six Commandments then?
1: I was, I was go- more going through an overview. I think it'd be great to kind of have this as like an introductory episode and then go through Commandments Six through um nine really as next time. as they pertain not next time i was well maybe maybe we'd get through all of them next time yeah maybe we i mean that's only four commandments so we could probably get through the relationship between all those four commandments and what it means to be human next time
0: if you want uh i mean for for a christmas episode uh yeah i mean i guess so i guess as, as part more of the introduction, then, like what did what kind of peaked this for you? Like what what this kind of did, it didn't it's quite really come out pretty, of nowhere, but close.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty simple, really. So our church has been going through Exodus for um, our, our sermon series, and th- and so obviously we went through the Ten Commandments, and then last Sunday we went back through the the fourth commandment actually, because it was the passage about manna and quail. And then um, the, the other thing is we've been in our kind of community groups, we've been going through a little book on the 10 commandments. And so.
0: Hmm. Is your uh, youth group um, related to your church? Because is, is it a community, community group, group kind of thing?
1: I'm too old to be in a youth group, but
0: uh, it's, I, yeah, I was thinking about youth group recently and that's probably why I said that.
1: Okay. Yeah. um, It is, it is part of, it is a church group. Okay. So we've been double dipping and then mm-hmm. I'm trying to think where the link between, I think it was just in one of the, I think the sermon on the 10 commandments kind of sparked the thought in my mind about, how both the prohibitions and command six, I mean, really all the commandments speak to us. I guess, I guess it was the explanation in the sermon that all the commandments speak to who we are to be as obedient servants of God and being obedient servants of God is being truly human. And and I've thought about that in the past, how mm-hmm. the the more I obey God, the more like him I am, the more acting in his image, the more I am like I was created to be. Therefore, the more human I am. I like that. And you can run that the opposite direction as well.
0: Do, do you guys, uh, have you talked about why, uh, you know, most of, at least the, the back half of the commandments. So, okay. So you've got, I'm just looking through these. Okay. So you shall have no other gods before me. I'm going to put that in the middle of the two different categories that I'm about to say. You shall not. You shall not. Uh, remember that Sabbath is positive. Honor your father and mother, positive. You shall not. You shall not. You yes. Shall
1: not. Yes. Yes. We haven't talked about this, but well, not explicitly, but I do have a Well, let's not be explicit,
0: Kyle. This is considered a family podcast.
1: I'm not sure what that means, but um, I do have a thought about that. Are you ready? Like,
0: yeah. Let's have it.
1: It's chiasm.
0: Uh, gosh, Kyle, you're going to have to, you're going to have to explain that one to me. Oh,
1: so a chiasm is the, I mean, it's, it's frequently found in Hebrew literature where you have, it's, it's, it's the mountaintop. So, so you build, you, you kind of Mm. go up to the, to the pinnacle and then you come down off the pinnacle. Okay. And so at the pinnacle you have, and this is something that's crazy to think about. But at the pinnacle of, especially when you think about our modern culture, but at the pinnacle of the 10 commandments, you have the Sabbath day and you have
0: your parents. Is it, is it four before and four after
1: it's three before and five after. Okay. But if you look at, if you look at the amount of words, it's, it's a lot closer to being centered. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be.
0: That's fine. That's a, that's, I mean, that's still pretty much right in the middle. Um,
1: so that's where my mind goes when i when I see commands not you shall not you shall
0: not you shall not, yeah, but is there okay, so it's a the the main reason for that then is that's a a way that Hebrews wrote their literature
1: they wrote their literature to so that the reader could easily find the main point
0: so you're saying the main point of the ten Commandments is not necessarily. The first two or three, but the five and six, the right four,
1: four and not, five. Not, not that it's necessarily the main, I guess in a sense, it, it's, it's the summary, the summary can, it's, it's sort of summed up and that might be a way of putting it. That may not be the right way to say it.
0: I'm just not following you. Hence the frown.
1: But it is. The fourth and fifth commandments, I guess, yeah, they, they sum it all up. Can you so, walk me through that? So when we when we honor the Sabbath day, when we remember the Sabbath day, um, as our pastor last the last week put it, when we enter into the Sabbath,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we are joining God. Um, and He makes us holy through the Sabbath day. The only way we can join God is if we have no other gods. And if we worship him rightly. Okay. And if we make, if we honor his name, which mm-hmm. also ties in to honor your father and mother, which is in, which could be considered as part of that first tablet of the law. And so, like I was mentioning, thinking about honoring our father and mother, think about father in heaven. And mm-hmm. so you have that honor for for God. So that's your first tablet of law. And then who do we enter into the Sabbath rest with? It's not just God. It's also our neighbor.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: How do we enter into rest with someone who we've been thinking um, hateful or envious thoughts against, or if we've been lusting after our neighbor's wife,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we can't enter rest. if, If that's been, if we've been coveting, what is our neighbors? We, we can't have a functioning society if there isn't honor and um honor for for those above and protection for those those below.
0: do you mean those who are weaker
1: i i mean so so the Westminster Catechism uses the term superiors and inferiors when I use the term above and below.
0: That was what you meant yeah, so would you consider women inferior like and specifically your wife?
1: It depends on, in certain contexts, just as I am the inferior. Who are
0: you the inferior to?
1: I'm the inferior to any magistrate to, like, in in the civil sphere. Okay, sure. I get that. I'm inferior to the magistrate. In work, I'm an inferior to my supervisor. Outside of work, I am no longer an inferior to my supervisor. Kind of. No, I would say I'm not.
0: I mean, so if you're at a.
1: If I see my boss at Walmart. Uh huh. I don't relate to him as my boss. He can't ask me to do things like he can at work.
0: There would still be a certain deference to him, I would think.
1: No more so than any of my other co workers.
0: Okay, fair enough. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so what context is your wife. I guess, huh?
1: I mean, if we look at Ephesians, it's in marriage.
0: Yeah, no, get that.
1: Or Corinthians.
0: Uh huh. I just, uh, yeah. Um, I was just thinking through those recently and was having, I don't know. I was just trying to, I was trying to reason basically what does, like the way that we understand those passages, uh, probably specifically the one talking about. Uh, speaking in church
1: so that's timothy and corinthians
0: is that a way that we have um made like because clearly we allow women to speak in church and the response is well no it's it's talking about teaching over a man specifically and so there's this there's kind of this quick pat answer and so what i was the thing that I was thinking about is like, well, is that a, is that a pet answer that we've made this more applicable or more palatable to our modern sensibilities? Or is that actually what it's talking about? Or is it talking about something completely different?
1: So now you're, you're going into, um, light complementarianism versus dark complementarianism.
0: It's nice that you have a name for it. I'm just trying to read the Bible for what it actually, for what it says. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I'm trying to do and try to think through. That. And so that's why I was kind of asking some of those questions.
1: Well, those are the those are like if you're going to dis- have a discussion with someone about about these ideas, those are terms that would get thrown around as shorthand for how to understand what the Bible is saying.
0: Yeah, but it's not a that doesn't apply to just that one passage.
1: Where Where else? Uh, agreed. Where, where else do you see it applying?
0: Um, I think in how we, I mean, women and men wearing head coverings, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's another, another place. Um, they're not, but it's not just women's roles, right? There's other, the way that.
1: roles in the church, right? Uh,
0: no, no, no. Um, like it's also how we, what's it called? I had it a second ago. Basically, my 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 point was not just women's roles in the church or out of the church, or women. It didn't wasn't necessarily just women and men and how they relate to each other. Is okay. like in the Bible, where have I heard a pat answer, or not even a pat answer, but you know maybe it's a legitimate. Like this is actually how we should understand this, mm-hmm. and but I've glossed over it because I have an answer that solves the the kind of Oh, this is difficult and hard to think about, but that's what, like, it looks like it says this thing, but it actually says this other thing. Does that make sense?
1: Like long hair versus covering?
0: Sure. Or,
1: um. Qualifications for an elder. Sure. When it says that the children must be submissive in the one passage or believers in the other passage, Mm -hmm. is that talking about just children in the home or does that extend to adult children?
0: Yeah, and you know, like even some of the the harder teachings of of Jesus, which there are, you know, I mean, in the Beatitudes, they, I mean, if you, I don't know, I'm just kind of re-examining different different passages that I've, um, yeah, I that I've turned the other solved, solved, I guess so to speak. It's like that mm-hmm. or that were solved for me at a younger age. And now when I read them, I don't actually see them. I see how I was taught before. Ah, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I don't, I'm not um, particularly concerned about uh, the Bible standing up to my scrutiny um, because I think that the Bible stands up really well to difficult, difficult questions because, you know, when you examine the truth what you're going to find is
1: the truth. And my misconceptions get broken apart. Lord willing.
0: Lord willing. Yeah. Yeah. Which was at one point what I was trying to talk about with, um, one of our guests some time ago, but it came across all cattywampus. So, so we didn't end up going there. Um, yeah. So the reason I, uh, I got to get going in just a few minutes here, but I wanted to, I wanted to share,
1: Getting back to superiors and inferiors.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I was... Well, yeah. If you want to talk more about that, we definitely can.
1: Did you want to talk... I, sorry, I I felt like I had sort of t- derailed you and so I was trying to bring you...
0: No, I don't feel... I, I, I feel like it took me a minute to get to my point, but I, we got there. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to talk about why I had thought of youth groups recently. Um, okay. My wife and I were watching uh it was this it was like uh every every now and again we'll sit down and like we'll just scroll through some like instagram stuff on her phone okay and like it's usually funny stuff and we found this one that was like church memes or something and um there was one that was like it was basically like a male and a female leader of a youth group and they were like Uh, all right, guys, uh, we don't really have anything to, you know, like this is just going to be a talk for the girls. We're going to go out and play dodgeball. And, uh, and then the the female leader stands there and she's like, so modest is hottest. And we're going to talk about why you should wear full neck, like whatever. I don't know. She's just like making a joke about youth, like the the talk that I guess happens at youth groups. I probably didn't have, I don't know that it would happen at a church like you, that you had grown up. But that definitely happened at the church that I grew up going to, where there was a conversation about what was appropriate for girls to wear. And the guys just went and played dodgeball, basically.
1: Yeah, I I was never at a church with a youth group.
0: (laughs) Well, fine. Um, And this just, it like spun me up.
1: Set some things off.
0: Set some things off, let's just say. And so I started writing this basically the talk I wish I would have got when I was that age.
1: And Uh it
0: was, I don't know if cathartic is the right word or it was, it was really for me meaningful and yeah, I don't know. It was a, I just think about what, you know, at a young age of, um, you know, 14 or maybe younger or maybe Mm -hmm. basically thinking about, the misconceptions that I had about marriage, that I had about relating to women, that I had re- about what their responsive what, what girl's responsibility was related to that. And what my responsibility related to my eyes and my, like my thoughts. And it was, I don't know. It's like, this is the talk I should have gotten. And it's a, ups- it's a, it's a little upsetting and a little bit, I don't know. It was it was just a well of emotions that came up after I mostly finished it.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like you kind of wrote a letter to your, should you have a son, future son?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Lord willing. Um, but it was, you know, if, if not that, then I think a, a helpful experience to think about even now to think about how I relate to. The, the opposite sex right and how i think about i don't know i at some point i'll probably share it with you just to see if you have any thoughts or if you can poke any holes in it or whatever i shared it with with my wife and she was um shouldn't have anything super immediate but uh-huh. it was i think she needed to sit on it for a minute
1: yeah i can see that
0: it's not it's not something that you're just like oh this is nice and then hand it back it's not right. one of those things anyway but yeah
1: I mean that does kind of get back to what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. about fathers imparting an understanding of what it's like to relate to a loving father in heaven and yeah. and and, and, and that's, that's one of the things about the Ten Commandments is God is saying to his son Israel this is what it looks like to be part of this family
0: I don't think of Israel as I think I just think of Israel as, as the, I guess in Hosea and then there's obviously the bride of Christ as the church now, which is like,
1: Ooh. So this was part of the sermon series as well. Yeah. But, um, why, I mean, this is one of the reasons God killed the firstborn of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was holding back in effect, god's son and saying you can't have your son and god said if you won't give me your son
0: if you won't give me my son i'll take yours
1: yes hmm is there can you think of a passage that just says that yes not off the top of my head but i
0: can you text it to me
1: i I'll, I'll look it up and text it to you okay text them to you
0: them i'm sure there's many yeah I might be able to find some too.
1: I mean I mean he definitely talked about wasn't Jacob referred to as a son of God?
0: I mean, you mean when he was renamed Israel? Yeah. I don't know, that's not that's not finding any kind of hold in my the my fact brink. that
1: he's named Israel and all of that people is called after his name.
0: Yeah, no no, I get that. I get that. I just don't remember Jacob or Israel. Uh, Jacob's new name being called the son of God uh, because, right. It was kind of a big deal that Jesus did that. I think I got that impression.
1: And I mean, you can have others like Jesus, Jesus goes down. Like the fact that Israel went into Egypt and was brought out of Egypt, Mm. prefigured Jesus going into Egypt and being called out of Egypt, out of Egypt, I called my son.
0: Was that a, was that a prophecy of, I mean, I know it was a prophecy of Jesus, but did it happen? To, was that prophecy prior to Jacob as well?
1: Prophecy prior to Jacob? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jesus told Abraham that your descendants will be, will go down into Egypt and be slaves there. And then I will, I will bring them out into the land where you now are.
0: Oh, but, hmm. but I meant the calling of my son.
1: Oh, specifically. Yeah. Oh, yes. Then you shall. So this is Moses, God talking to Moses in Exodus 4. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put into your power. But I will harden his heart so he will not let the people go. Then you will say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. Mm. And I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Hmm. So it's very on the nose there.
0: That's great. What, what's what's the reference there? Is it Exodus?
1: That's Exodus for like 21 through 23.
0: Is it like 21 through 23 or is it exactly? It is
1: exactly. What I read was <laughs> 21 through 23. <laughs> okay. I was just sort of like looking at it out no, of the I, side I of my eye. I was,
0: I was giving you a hard time there. Kyle.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's one reference.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are others. I just hadn't, that's not a, not an image that's really strong in my mind, which is, which is fine. Um, It's, it's just.
1: It was sort of funny that just reading that passage, I, I bet that was one of the passages that came up that I was, that was in the back of my mind because it is just so Israel is the firstborn of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so explicit, one might say.
1: Yeah. And if Pharaoh doesn't let God have his firstborn, he will kill Pharaoh's firstborn. And so it's all we... laid out there before Moses even goes back to Egypt.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's almost it's almost like God knew what was gonna happen ahead of time. Yep.
0: Yep. Alright, buddy. Well, uh so do you want you wanna talk about next time you want to talk about the, uh, the other, uh, those, the back half, do you want to talk through about six commandments or you want to talk through five, four or three
1: murder through false witness,
0: murder through false witness. You heard it here and, first.
1: And actually, um, false witness and murder. I was listening to, um, the first part of a podcast episode with where Joe Rogan was interviewing the guy in the innocence project and mm. one of the guys who was freed from it. And it struck me how both, bearing false witness and murder were violated by the prosecuting attorneys in this guy's case. Wow.
0: Man, I've heard him talk. I've heard Joe Rogan talk with the, uh, the guy from the innocence project. Do you remember his name? No. Okay. Me neither. But I've heard him talk with some, some of the folks from, uh, like, and that was really what got me started on supporting the innocence project was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And then I, you know, I did my own research as well, but it's, um, man, the stuff that people have had to deal with related to that is, is pretty nuts, right? It's, I mean, when I say nuts, I mean, it's disgusting because it's, it's like the people who are supposed to be upholding justice in the land are instead uh, preying on the the poor and the weak.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's similar to what happened in kind of, I think it was West Virginia where you had uh, not 3M, but one of the big, chemical companies just dumping a bunch of stuff that they knew caused cancer into the local water yeah, because it was cheap. And everyone in the whole valley ended up with, virtually ended up with cancer. Wow. And they just swept it under the rug for years and years and years. Hmm. And then on top of it, speaking of justice being perverted, they set it up so that no, so that the payouts will be paid out over, or the court cases for the payouts will be heard over a period of like a hundred years. And this is 50 years after they first started doing.
0: It. Yeah. That's not, I, that's, I just like, I can't even comprehend that there's that much. I uh, that's Gravity. just disgusting. Yeah. So it's, that's terrible. <laughs> there was one thing that was a little more positive. It'd be nice to end on a positive note, <laughs> Kyle.
1: Well, we're, we're heading into how we're heading into the Christmas season. We're heading into the incarnate, Talking about the, I mean, what we're talking about is next episode talking about um, what it means to be human in light of Mm -hmm. the incarnation. So that's.
0: That's a pretty, pretty positive thing.
1: I don't know how much, I mean, until the resurrection and the ascension and glorification, you can't get much more positive.
0: Can I tell you something? I don't know if it's sad. I don't know if that's the right word, but it wasn't until I was like 20, maybe even older that I realized that. No, it wasn't until I started going to uh, a church that followed like liturgical, like the holidays, Mm -hmm. is that, what do you think we should be looking, giving it away, we should be looking forward to Jesus coming back as we celebrate Christmas from him coming the first time, right? Uh Uh-huh. That was never taught in any of the churches I went to growing up. That was never a part of it. Isn't that weird?
1: I mean, that is weird.
0: (laughs) I mean, if it was taught, it was not a focal point or like it wasn't it wasn't something we talked a lot about. I don't ever remember it being taught, but it was just. I don't know. I remember when that clicked, I was like, like, I don't know. It was such a it was it's like one of those things where it's like you, you thought your family did something normal. You thought everybody did that, but then you found out later that almost nobody does that. Like, I don't know. I can't think of any examples. Which, the... which I mean, it was a not, I went, i oh, sorry.
1: Calendar day, should we be more prone to give gifts on than Christmas, biblically speaking?
0: Fourth, of... no. Um, I mean, would you say Easter? Would nope. you say, oh, no. Is. No, I don't know. You tell me, Kyle. You seem like you know. Where did... What did
1: Moses do before he brought the Ten Commandments to the people?
0: I mean, he went up to Mount Sinai and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: was face to face with God.
1: Mm -hmm. So he ascended. Mm -hmm. And then.
0: So you're talking about like the day of ascension?
1: Yeah. Okay. So so the the pattern is that Jesus goes up so that Mm -hmm. he can send the gift of the Holy Spirit
0: hmm okay well you you
1: so if we want to imitate jesus yeah we should give gifts
0: on the day sunday or the day after maybe we could we could do it that's fine We we could do ascension that's whatever that's fine so you call the holiday people and then uh you get a hold you have your people get a hold of their people and then let me know how that goes
1: well and especially when you think about it i mean the 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 wise men didn't come on christmas
0: no, they, they timed it. They had their map quest out. They got there right at the right time. Uh it's been a pleasure talking to you. It always is. I'm glad that we could talk through uh my half baked story and then something a little bit more important. It was nice.
1: Maybe maybe we can go we can start out again thinking about how you can make your characters more human by thinking about the Ten Commandments.
0: Hey guys, Daniel again. Just wanted to say thanks for listening. I'm not really sure if ratings on iTunes or other podcast services helps. You could try that if you enjoyed it or uh, sharing it with a friend, someone who you think might uh, enjoy it as well. And if you didn't, you can go ahead and drop us a line. We've got contact info in the show notes. You can also support us uh, like a dollar a show. Thanks.